Good morning. You guys are so quiet. We have uh, we have decided that this is like one of the f- most fun songs that we've ever done. A song called Glorious, and uh, we've actually got the honor of having uh, having Clayton here. Uh, this is uh, Daniel McKenzie, our new uh, discipleship uh, director uh, uh, minister. Anyway, this is his son. He's fixing to go off to college uh, on Thursday. To uh, He's going to be working on his degree in worship ministry, and uh, that's where he wants to go. So anyway, it's just nice to have him for one Sunday before he takes off. Yeah. And hey, and also while I'm talking about these things, Tucker down there came to me about a month ago, and he said, Mr. Todd, next time you do the song Glorious, can I play? Because I love that song, and I've been working on it. So that's Tucker. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> let's stand up. Let's sing this fun song. Glorious. Shout it out and glory.
nations that God is a God of glory, and today we give him glory. We can't add to God's glory, but we can give him glory in the sense of ascribing to him glory and proclaiming him glorious. Uh, God is glorious in his creation. He's glorious among the nations. He's glorious in his church. And we welcome you in the name of Jesus today. Glad that you're here. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Thank you for coming and being with us. If you're a guest, we extend a special warm welcome to you. I've become conscious uh, that we've had guests in the last uh, a few weeks and months, but we're not really able to welcome you like we would. We, we, we can't shake hands. We can't hug you. We can't uh, uh, express that, but we do want you to know uh, that you are welcome in our church, and we're so glad that you're here. There's a guest card in the pew rack in front of you, and if you would like to fill that out, you can place it in the, the boxes on the door uh, by the doors going out. Give us uh, your name. We'd love to meet you. love to send you some things about our church. I want to welcome those of you who are worshiping online. We still have a large number of folks, of course, who worship with us from your homes on Facebook or on our website, and we are glad that you are joining us, and we hope you feel a part of this worship service as well. Thank you for being here with us uh, today. Well, uh, on our minds, of course, is a surge in the COVID uh, virus here in Coffee County. We're at an all-time high. We're at a peak, and the schools have had to adjust this week and do some different things. Uh, so we, uh, we as a church, we want to keep meeting. We don't want to go back. So what we are asking you to do is to consider wearing a face mask while you're here. Uh, we have some provided for you at the entrances. If you don't have one, you may not have known that today. because We haven't really been doing that. But we just feel like that is one concrete thing that we can do uh, to limit the spread uh, of the COVID virus. So we're not going to require that. We're not going to fuss at people who don't. Why don't you have a mask on? We're not going to do that. I know you hate the mask. I hate them. I wear glasses. It fogs up glasses. I, you can't breathe good. It, it's, I hate them, don't you? I hate them. But I'm going to wear one when I'm not mic'd up up here on the platform uh, because I don't want to contribute to this, and I don't want us to have to go to a hybrid model or, or shut down or whatever. And uh, so we're going to just encourage you to wear, wear masks. Uh, while you're here. We had somebody last week who was at our church, uh, had no symptoms, and then on Monday tested positive uh, for the COVID virus. And so we contacted everyone. They weren't in a worship service, but they were in a connection group. We contacted everybody who was in that connection group, let them know. Uh, but uh, that's just to show that, that we're having to deal with this. We're having to face this like everybody else. And uh, so we want to do the best we can. So we're going to ask you if you'd consider, uh, when you're here, wearing a mask. I realize teachers, you may want to take that off when you teach. I, like I take mine off when I speak. That's hard to do. If you're seated here and you're six feet from somebody and you don't take it off during the worship, that's going to be a personal decision. But as much as you will and as much as you can, let's wear a mask. Let's do the best we can to keep this going. Uh, we stand, I stand with churches today. There are churches in California that are having to defy government orders and are meeting today, even though they've told it's illegal for them to meet. I applaud those churches. If uh, Home Depot's open, uh, then churches ought to have a chance to be open. And so they're having to do civil disobedience. Never thought we'd see that in America, but that's, that's where we are. But at the same time, we want to do the best we can uh, to not contribute to that problem. So thank you for helping us with that. Let's pray together. Would you join me as we pray and we turn our attention uh, to worship God? God, we just come to you in these times. We've never lived in times exactly like this before, most of us. And so, Lord, we, we recognize that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you see the future as well as you see the past. And this is no threat to your sovereignty or your plan. You know exactly what's going on. And, Lord, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You brought people through polio and swine flu and bubonic plague and world wars. And, Lord, you can bring us through this. So we put our faith in you. We do not live with fear. We trust in you. And, uh, Lord, uh, we just want to humbly pray that you'd show mercy to our world and our nation and you'd give us relief from this pandemic. Uh, Lord, we want to pray for churches to, that are meeting today all across our country. We pray you'd bless them. Here today in this room, may the name of Jesus be glorified. May we proclaim that even though we're all going to die someday, there is eternal life in Jesus. And even when we live in times of pandemic, there is abundant life in Jesus. We lift up your name, Lord Jesus, through song and through the word, we come today to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You called my name 
And at the very name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. What a powerful name it is, Lord. Lord, I pray that our worship this morning has brought honor and glory to you and put a smile on your face. Lord, I pray as you bring, uh, as Dr. Cox comes, you bring his, that you bring the message to us, Lord, through his, his lips and through his understanding. Lord, help us to walk away from this knowing that we have experienced you and being changed for the experience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Last Sunday, I began a series of sermons preaching through the book of 2 Peter, entitled Knowing and Growing. I think the key question in 2 Peter is, do you know God? Do you have a personal relationship with God? That's the question of 2 Peter. The, the key theme is the knowledge of God. I've encouraged you to write at the top of the page in your Bible where 2 Peter begins, write that, the knowledge of God, so that when you come back to this book, uh, you'll know that key theme. The word knowledge is found nine times in our English translation of, of 2 Peter. Let me just read to you verses 2 through 4, that we look, part of what we looked at last week, just for a moment of review. If you weren't here last week, we welcome you. You can catch up. So I'm reading 2 Peter 2, 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God. Underline that phrase. And we learned that when you know God, you can have peace in abundance, even in the midst of a storm. Verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. Underline that. There's that key phrase again. And we learned that by knowing God, you have power, divine power, to give you everything you need. You're amply supplied in this pandemic by the knowledge of God. And then verse 4 said, Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So we learned that by knowing God, we can overcome our evil desires and become like God. So now, today, we want to look at a secondary theme of this book. And the key question here is, are you growing in your knowledge of God? You see, conversion, when you come to first know God in a personal way through faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of sins, Conversion is not the, the end. Oh, that's what I've been heading for now. I'm a Christian. Okay, that's all. No, that's the beginning point of the Christian life. That's the launching pad of discipleship and of transformation and of sanctification. So the question today is that I, I just want to ask you to think about, are you growing any since you've become a Christian? Has there been any more life transformation? Are you about the same as where you were when you were converted? That's the question we just want to look at in light of God's word today. We begin in verse 5, and he says, For this very reason, because of what God is doing, and we read in how we know him in these verses before, because of this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. You, you hear this about growing? Now, there are two extremes in the way you view Christian growth. One extreme is that it's all up to you. The other extreme is it's all up to God, okay? Um, younger preachers today, you know, there are trends in preaching just like there are trends in fashion and food and everything else. So one of the, the, uh, the preachers of the younger generation today accused my generation, the older generation, of emphasizing a little too much our part, the human part, in Christian growth. And they would say that my generation has been a little too moralistic or man-centered, talking about what you need to do to grow. So there's a shift now among younger preachers to emphasize more of what, that God is at work in you, and God produces the fruit of the Spirit, and that it, it's up to God. And I think that's been a good, good uh, emphasis you can even see it, I think, in the Sunday School curriculum that Lifeway publishes. Their older series is Life and Work, how you need to apply this to your life and work, what you need to do. And a newer series is The Gospel Project, what God is doing. You hear the, the, the there? So, but the danger is in this younger generation of preachers is 
that they're afraid to tell you you need to do something because it might sound moralistic. So you need an old guy like me to tell you, you got a part in this. You need to do something to grow. Let me show you the balance in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Before we look at 2 Peter, let's look at this verse to get this overview. Second, uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, beginning in the middle of verse 12, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act and according to fulfill his good purpose. Do you hear the balance of Scripture there? God is at work in you. If you're converted, he's going to work to produce some fruit in you. God's helping you. God's at work. Now, but you need to join him, and you need to work out what he's working in. So 2 Peter is about our part in Christian growth. This passage is going to talk about our part. We need it in the context of you're not doing this alone. You've got the Holy Spirit. God's at work in you. He's going to produce some fruit, but you need to cooperate with him and join him. This passage, let's look at it again. Get back to verse 5, and you hear it now. For this reason, make every effort. Are you making any effort to grow? Are you cooperating with God at all? Are you doing anything to try to grow as a Christian? This is about your part of it and how you need to make an effort consciously to grow as a Christian. So, Peter gives us here a list of seven qualities that you need to grow in. Seven things he said that you need to supplement your faith with. You've come to a knowledge of God through faith in Jesus. Now here are these moral qualities that you need to, to grow in and you need to make every effort to add to your faith. So we're going to go through this list and what I want you and me to do today is look at this in the light of the Holy Spirit and say, am I growing in these seven areas? Are any of these deficient in my life? So look at this checklist and see what God would say to you through it. So here we go. Number one, he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. First of all, goodness. Now I'm going to explain that word a little bit. Goodness especially means here moral purity. I'd write out by that if I were taking notes the word purity because the type of goodness that it's talking about here is moral goodness is what this word means, so it's purity. So are you growing in purity? Let me just say to you really bluntly, can I say something bluntly to you? If you've come to a knowledge of God through Jesus Christ and you're a Christian and you're still living in immorality, you're not at all where God wants you to be. If you're living, out, you're living with somebody outside of marriage, you're engaging in sex outside of marriage, you're not at all where God wants you to be. You need to grow in purity. That transformation needs to happen in your life. So first of all, add to your faith goodness. Number two, Knowledge. Well, there's our key word again that you may want to underline. Well, I thought we already knew God. Yes, but you don't know all of God, do you? I've seen the ocean, but I haven't seen all of it. Have you? Uh, there's a whole lot more that I haven't experienced than when I dabble my feet in the beach, at the beach in the water, right? So grow in knowledge. And I'd write out by the word knowledge, Bible. Because the way you're going to know about God and know God better is through his revelation to you in the Scripture are you spending any time in the Bible? Is Bible reading a part of your life? Because you're to add to your faith knowledge, it says. Third quality here, number three, and add to your knowledge. We're in verse six now. And add to your knowledge, self-control. Self-control. So let me ask you, have, are you mastering your emotions or are your emotions mastering you? Because one of the ways we're to grow is in self-control. Does anger still dominate you? Do, does some of the other emotions still dominate you? Number four, perseverance. And to your self-control, add perseverance. Do you get discouraged easily in the Christian life when things go wrong in your job, finances, health, family? Do you get down quickly? Do you just want to give up? Do you want to quit? Well, then God may be saying to you, you need to add to your faith perseverance. Number five, five in the list, and add to perseverance, godliness. Now the word godliness, I would write out by the side of that if I wanted a word to help me a little bit, reverence or respect. That, that's sort of the root of this godliness, is having a fear of the Lord, a reverence for God, a respect for God, have you, because see, what can happen is you become a Christian and you just go to sort of get used to knowing God. It feel familiarity breeds contempt. You ever heard that, that saying? And so Christians, you need to grow in reverence 
in respect, in a fear of the Lord, in godliness. And now we're in verse 7. And to your godliness add mutual affection. Mutual affection. And um, this is the Greek word Philadelphia. That means brotherly love. It's speaking here in reference not to your literal brother, but to your spiritual brother. It is speaking of love for the church. I'd write church out beside mutual affection because what he's saying there is you need to grow in a love for one another, a warm attraction to the church. Do you love, uh, are you more in connected and in love with church now than when you were first saved? You should be because you should be growing in mutual affection for one another. And number seven is love. I don't know if there's an order to these. Uh, I, I can't discern that. But I think it may be significant it ends with love, the greatest of all virtues. And this is the word agape that means unselfish acts. Not so much an emotion as an action. Or is there that unselfish action in your life that copies Calvary kind of love where Jesus gave himself unselfishly for us? Do we do that as well? So, you look at this list. Is the Holy Spirit saying anything to you about your purity, about your Bible knowledge, about the self-control of your emotions, about your stick-to-itiveness, your, your perseverance, your endurance, about your reverence and respect and your godliness, about your mutual affection and your love for the church, and about your love, your unselfish giving of your life. Is God saying anything to you? about these things because you're to make every effort as a Christian to grow in those things now let's look at the verses that follow and he tells us why it's important that we grow in these things okay so verse 8 he says growing in these qualities keeps you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus let me read it to you verse 8 for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure you hear the idea of growth there if you possess these qualities that we've just listed in increasing measure, they will keep you from being, well, let's look at these words. The first word here is ineffective. Uh, show you what that word means in a parable of Jesus in Matthew chapter 20, verse 3. Let me show you another occasion of this same Greek word that's translated a different way in Matthew 23. Verse 3, different context, but Jesus was telling a story. And he said, about 9 in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. You see that phrase, doing nothing? It's the same, exact same word as ineffective here. So, so these qualities will keep you from being idle or standing around doing nothing. Let me ask you, in your Christian life, are you standing around doing nothing? Well, if you are, you need to grow in these qualities because these will keep you, it says, from being ineffective. And the other, other word in that verse is unproductive. Go back to verse 8 again, and it says, you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. That word is unfruitful. Just the opposite of what Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. He wants you to be fruitful. But if you don't grow in these qualities, you'll be unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's our key phrase you want to underline again. So when you know him, but if you're not growing, you couldn't be ineffective and unproductive in your life. And that's not where God wants you to be as a Christian. Uh, verse 9 continues to tell us why it's important to, to grow in these qualities. Verse 9 says, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. So failing to grow in these qualities indicates you're nearsighted, blind, and forgetful of your salvation. Let's look at those three words that he talks about there, nearsighted. I'm nearsighted. If I take my glasses off, I could probably recognize Jared, but man, when I get back beyond y'all, y'all are sort of fuzzy like a peach back through there, you know? So I am short-sighted. I can see in the short distance but when you're nearsighted, you don't have that good long-range vision. So if you're not growing in these qualities, he says, you tend to live your life for the immediate rather than the eternal. 
you tend to live for the short term rather than long term. And you don't think about death, and you don't think about treasures in heaven, and you don't think about eternity, and you just tend to go through life like the devil wants you to, just thinking about the short term. And boy, that's a dangerous way to live. And he says, he says if you're not growing, your, your sight will shorten, you'll become nearsighted. The next word he says, that failing to grow in these qualities indicates you're blind. Well, now how could you be blind when you're nearsighted? I think what this means is blind spots. You know, there are some uh, conditions where people have uh, spots in their vision where they can't see uh, macular degeneration and other things. And so I think that's true spiritually. Not only do we tend to be nearsighted when we're not growing, but we have blind spots. I've become aware of something I've learned that I don't think I knew several years ago was that we don't grow evenly. And there are good Christian people who are doing well in one area, but they're blind in regard to prejudice or anger or some other area. And that's true of me as well. And I have trouble seeing my blind spots like you have trouble. I can see yours pretty well. Come to me. I'll t- no, I'm not going to tell you. Right? right? Well, you know everybody else. You know your husbands, right? You know your wives, don't you? Yeah. But you don't know yours as clearly. We have blind spots. We don't grow evenly. And that's why this, this culture of canceling everybody who has some failure is wrong. We've all got blind spots. And there can be people who have, are, are very mature and that I look up to in some areas, but they've got a few areas that I don't need to model my life after that. And I'm the same way. I'm, I'm not going to be perfect. So we don't see our own blind spots very well. But if we will grow in love, mutual affection, these things, it enables us, it keeps us from being, having blind spots in our lives. And then the last phrase, the last key word in this verse is, and forgetful, and forgetful of your salvation. Or he says, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Don't ever forget your salvation. Boy, I, I, I don't want ever to lose that memory of I'm not going to hell. My sins are forgiven. I'm saved. Uh, I've been, uh, and all my sins in the past have been cleansed. You need to remember. It seems to be fresh in your mind. And if you're growing, it says it'll keep you from forgetting that you've been cleansed from your past sins. So, we looked at this list of virtues. Would you just look at these list of words in these last two verses? Let me read them to you again. Ineffective, unproductive, nearsighted, blind, and forgetful. Do any of those describe you? If so, today, why don't you repent and say, God, I repent of my blind spots. I repent of my short-sighted living. I pre- repent that I have grown used to being saved. And I'm forgetful of the great grace that you have given me. I repent that I am not bearing fruit. I repent that I am standing around doing nothing. That's not your will for me. Won't you repent of those things? Got one. Uh, let's end on a positive note. Verses ten and eleven tell us that what growing in these qualities will do. Verse ten. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. There's our phrase again. Remember, I told you what this was about. This is about your part in the context of what God is doing in you. He's working in you in that context. Work this out. Your salvation. Make every effort. There's our phrase again. To confirm your calling and election. Boy, that's interesting. Election means that God has chosen us. And some people, some Christians, believe that that means that he chooses some to be saved and chooses others not to be saved, and and we have no part in that. But you know what we're going to see later in 2 Peter? 2 Peter 3, 9, when we get there, if you'll stay with me and Jesus doesn't come before then, we'll get to 2 Peter 3, 9, he's going to say, He's not willing that any should perish. God's not willing that any should perish. So I don't believe election means that he chooses some to be saved and he chooses others not to be saved. Don't believe that. I believe that, uh, that God gives a he desire is for every person to be saved. So he, we have this role to confirm your calling and election, he says. Confirm, show you're chosen. And your growth is evidence that you're part of God's elect. You're part of those whom God has chosen. And then it says, 
For if you do these things, still going back to our list that we're to add, you'll never stumble. You see, growth keeps you on the right path. When you're moving, you're on that right path and you'll never stumble. My heart breaks when Christians, when church members drop out of church and, and fall to the wayside. Oh, may we never stumble. Do it. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. And then verse 11, finally, you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great phrase? Aren't you looking forward to that? Let me tell you, you know God, and you're growing in Him, you're going to receive a rich welcome in heaven. Don't know what that'll look like, but it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? A rich welcome into heaven, to the kingdom of our... And then let me share one more thing. These four words that describe Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's who He is. His name is Jesus, which means Savior. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah, the one who fills the Old Testament promises. He's the Savior of the world, and He's Lord. He's King of kings and Lord of all. He is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A calf grows until it becomes a cow. A tree keeps growing till it dies. Don't be a cow, Christian. Be a tree, Christian. Keep growing until God calls us home or he returns again. Would you join me in prayer? Oh God, uh, today we, we want to search our hearts with the help of your Holy Spirit who's within us. And Lord, uh, we want to be growing. So God, if you've spoken to us in any of these seven areas today, if you've convicted us about any of these five terms that describe those who are not growing, then God, we want to repent, and we want to turn to you, and we pray that by the help of your Holy Spirit, we'll grow for your glory, for our good. Oh God, if there are those who do not yet know you and have not yet begun this journey, either here in this room or listening to me online right now, I pray right now they would say, God, I want to know you. I put my faith in Jesus. I repent of my sin. I ask you to come into my life. I will follow you as Lord of my life. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I hope you'll come by the Welcome Center where I'll be in just a moment. I'd love to meet you. I'd love for you to share that. Y'all have been baptized. I'll talk to you about that. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, I hope that you'll text me at 931-808-7975, 931-808-7975. I'd love to talk with you, respond to you. If you're here today and you want to join our church uh, as well, I invite you to stop by and uh, meet me. You can join our church right there at the Welcome Center. We'll rejoice with you. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'll be there and be glad to do that. Thank you for being here today. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. You called me from the grave by name. You called me out of all my shame. I see the old has passed away. The new has come. Now I have resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom. No longer bound by sin and darkness. Living in the light of your goodness. You have given us freedom. Jesus, you have given us dreams. 
my chains are gone. Freedom, you have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. Hallelujah. Here we go. Freedom, you have given us freedom. announcements. If you look in your worship guide, you see some great information about our CDP classes on Wednesday nights, but I want to let you know that this Wednesday at 7.15, we're going to have a welcome reception for the McKenzie family, so we're grateful they're here, and we want you to be a part of that. Also, next week, we're going to celebrate baptism, so if you're interested in being baptized, uh, there's information there to contact Dr. Cox to set that up. And then finally, if you've experienced a job loss or income loss during this pandemic, we want to let you know that our Acts 4 ministry is here to help. You can go to our website. There's an online form you can access uh, to apply for funds. Or you can call the church office, and we can get you set up that way. So I want to let you know about that as we close. We invite you to come to one of our connection groups now. You can go by the Welcome Center if you need some more information about that. And let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us. And God, like pedals on a bicycle, Lord, we know that you work in us. Father, help us to be obedient, to confirm our election, to obey and to live out what we have heard today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.